Children can be really cute, can't they? Well, this little guy is a little confused about Easter. We could get our Easter baskets and put them by the fireplace. And you know what? I think the Easter bunny could go down the chimney or he could come through the door. <laughs> You're listening to Ever Thine Home with Barbara Rainey, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience God in your home. Thanks for joining us. So if children were beeps, here's what the Rainey legacy might sound like. Dennis and Barbara have six children. And at last check, this many grandchildren. (laughs) Did you catch that? 26 grandkids. Well, as a mother and a grandmother, Barbara has a passion for both artistic expression and teaching God's Word to children. That passion has led her to design interactive resources that are both beautiful and biblical. I really wish I had had these when my kids were younger because as a mom, I had such a desire to teach my children the truth of the Bible and um, the truth of who God was. And I wanted more than just David and Goliath storybooks. Not that there's anything wrong because the David and Goliath story is wonderful. But I just didn't find much that helped me take my children beyond just telling them the stories. I wanted to take them to the Bible. I wanted them to see what the Bible actually said and for them to learn to read it and find answers there. And I didn't really have anything that helped me do that. And so now in these empty nest years, I'm spending a lot of my time creating resources that do what I wanted to be able to do with my children when I was a mom. Journey to Easter is one example. This is a banner to hang on your wall or door that helps you count down the 40 days before Easter. And it comes with a flip calendar with daily scripture passages to read and talk about with your children. I'll tell you how you can get one in a few minutes. You may be wondering if your kids would listen to a Bible story when they'd rather do computer games or watch TV or movies. A lot of kids might think of the Bible as boring rather than it being their very life. Barbara explains why that might be. I think part of it is that we have dropped the ball as adults. We've done a really good job when they're little, when they're toddlers, and even through the early elementary years of telling them Bible stories. But we haven't done a very good job of teaching them that the Bible is alive and it's full of these wonderful, not just stories, but truths. And so that's why they get bored, because by the time they get to sixth grade, they don't want to hear the David and Goliath story anymore. They don't want to hear about Daniel and the lion's den. And it becomes boring. And what a tragedy that anything in the Bible should become boring to our children. And if parents are honest, they might admit they themselves are sometimes bored with the Bible too. Let me tell you a little secret. I'm hoping that as moms and dads engage with their children around the holidays that we all celebrate anyway, that moms and dads are going to learn too. It's not just going to be the kids, but moms and dads are going to go, I didn't know that, and encourage them and educate them as they're also teaching their children because it's both and. Barbara says our calendars have built-in teaching moments. Holidays are a natural time to engage with your children. I think our children intuitively know 
that there's something important going on when we celebrate Christmas and when we celebrate Thanksgiving and when Easter is approaching. And it's a great time for us as moms and dads to take that teachable moment and that open and receptiveness that our children are displaying and put some truth in there and give them some truth that helps them understand more than they would otherwise. Resurrection Sunday is on April 4th this year, so the actual Lenten season begins on February 17th. This is the perfect time to start working through Journey to Easter. We wanted to take families on a journey from the very beginning of time up until the birth of Christ and help them see and experience and learn that all of the Old Testament is the story of Jesus. It's all foretelling the coming of Christ. And we tend to think in our modern world, we tend to think that the Old Testament is irrelevant. We tend to think that it's past tense. It's old because it's called the Old Testament. And we don't see the connection between the old and the new. And the story of Jesus' life is so much more meaningful when we understand it in the context of the Old Testament. And so we begin with the story of uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis and talk about what happened after the fall and how there at that moment, the very beginning of the history of man and woman, God gave the first promise of the coming Redeemer. The Lord said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Then throughout the pages of the Old Testament, there are more and more and more prophecies, more clues, more hints. If you think about it, the ancient Hebrew people didn't have everything revealed to them right away. It was a mystery. They didn't know either. They had no idea who the Messiah was going to be. They didn't know when he was going to come. They didn't know what he was going to look like. But God kept giving them little clues, more and more information along the way through the history of time. And so as we uh, approach the season of Lent, it's a wonderful time for families to do something together of meaning to help prepare their hearts for Easter. And what better way to do it than to trace this mystery of who the Messiah would be through the Old Testament so that when we get to Holy Week, we get to the week that celebrates the resurrection, we've got all of this context that leads up to this momentous occasion. Barbara says it takes being proactive to nurture a sense of amazement and looking forward to a time of remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We've lost the sense of anticipation. We have it at Christmas. We have that sense of anticipation because we Many of us celebrate Advent, and so we have something to mark the weeks leading up to Christmas. And there's all the anticipation that's associated with gifts and all of that. But there's very little, if any, anticipation associated with Easter. And yet the whole Bible is an anticipatory story about Easter. And so during the six weeks of Lent, it helps build that anticipation. If you go through this as a family and you talk about the period of waiting and the unknowing and the mystery and how they knew they were waiting for someone, but they didn't know who. And here we get to know who it is. We know the answer to the mystery. We know the answer to the story. But if we'll take those six weeks of Lent and go back and pretend that we don't know the answer to the story, and we read the verses and we read the stories of of the Passover and the story of building the temple and of Abraham and Isaac, and we go through that as a family, when we get to Easter, 
we've built up this great sense of anticipation for Holy Week, for Resurrection Sunday. And so therefore, the celebration at Easter is much more important, it's much more meaningful, um, it's much more as it should be when we've taken the time to prepare our hearts and to prepare ourselves. And part of the wonder is that all of that was prophesied in the Old Testament. And we overlook that too much. But when we know where it is and we know what it says, again, it makes the celebration as it was intended to be, the high point of the year, the high point of the Christian calendar, and the high point of our lives to celebrate the resurrection. So if the whole Bible is really about Christ, Old Testament passages that we might have glossed over before come to life in new ways. For example, says Barbara, details related to the tabernacle can help teach children about Jesus. She shares one idea for an activity. This is a really fun activity, and all it involves is getting a piece of chalk and a tape measure, and you go outside on your driveway, weather permitting, of course, If you live in the north and you've still got snow on the ground, you do it in your living room. But if you can go outside, get a piece of chalk, and you draw off the dimensions on your driveway of the tabernacle. Okay, so you might have to do a little math. A cubit was about 18 inches. You draw off those dimensions, then you draw where the Holy of Holies is and where the holy place is, and then you can draw some of the elements that were in the tabernacle. And the instructions are to sit in the Holy of Holies as a family. So again, weather permitting, draw the tabernacle or stake it out in your living room or put a chair at each corner in a a room and say, this is how big the tabernacle was. This is how big the Holy of Holies was. Let's sit in this space and talk about all of the symbolism in the tabernacle. It was full of symbols, all pointing to Christ. And talk about the lampstand and that that's a hint that Jesus is the light of the world. And talk about the bread and why there was bread in the tabernacle. Do you know why there was bread in the tabernacle? Let's look in this verse and see what it says. What is that a clue? What does that tell us about Jesus? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And you go through all of those as a family, and it's like eyes are opened, and the wonder begins to grow. And that's what we want. We want to be in wonder. We want to be in awe of what God did, because the complexity and the intricacy of what He designed, not just for the tabernacle, but all throughout the Old Testament, just leaves us speechless at what God did, and that we can participate in this, and that we can know Christ, and that we can know this history of His coming, and the prophetic verses about His coming, then leads up to Holy Week and Resurrection Sunday. And it makes our worship and our celebration of the resurrection not just meaningful, but really, truly awe-inspiring. And that's what I think we long for in our hearts, is we want to worship a God who is truly awesome in the real sense of the word, not in the trivial sense of the word. And the more we know about Him and the more we know about the context that He set in place for us to discover, the more we will be worshiping Him the way He needs to be worshiped. Barbara offers another idea for an activity you could do with children to show them Christ in the Old Testament. The one for Passover is especially fun because as you read the story of the Passover experience that the Israelites had in the land of Egypt, when God told them to go out and they had to kill the lamb and then they had to paint the blood on the doorposts over the top of their house so that the angel of death would pass over. And so you get a bowl of water, or if you're really brave, you can get washable paint, <laughs> washable red paint, of course, and go out and paint 
over your doorway and help your children experience what and let them go back for just a moment in their minds what would that have been like to be sure that we had the paint over our door so that we would be passed over and help them understand what that meant because there were plenty of other children who died that night because they didn't have the blood over the doorway why did god want blood over the doorway what is the what is the meaning of that why is that important uh, to the whole story of Christ. And what does that have to do with Easter week? Of course, the fact that a lamb had to die to save God's people from judgment points directly to Jesus, who was called in John chapter 1, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His sacrifice turns away God's wrath. His blood pays our ransom. It's not just mom or dad or mom and dad teaching truth to the kids, but it's a way to involve them in the process so that the truth then becomes more cemented in their souls, and they engage with it and participate with it, and it becomes more real. So a hands-on activity like that will probably prompt some questions from children. I hope so. That's my, that's my prayer, is that there would be a lot of ongoing discussion even after the lesson is finished, that maybe two days later, um, one of the kids would say, now, let me ask a question about this. Why that? And so I, I hope that it will spark a lot of thinking and a lot of ongoing conversations from week to week. So if you're a parent, it's time to get the creative juices flowing. Don't forget, one prompt you could use is the daily devotions that are a part of the Journey to Easter collection. It's not too early or too late to start preparing, even now, for the commemoration of Christ's death on Good Friday, April 2nd, and the celebration of His resurrection on that third day. For more information on the Journey to Easter collection and for other helpful ideas, check out everthinehome.com. Again, that's everthinehome.com. Thank you, Barbara, for giving us some hints on how to teach our children about Easter. Well, it really is a great privilege, and it really is because of what He did for me that I want to do this, and um, I want to make Christ known, so I'm grateful. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for Ever Thine Home with Barbara Rainey.